0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Good morning. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? If you are, give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. I love the energy in the room, and I love gathering with each and every one of you every single week. Um, let me just take a moment and say happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and just as your pastor, I just want you to know I love you, and I appreciate you. We cannot do what we do around here without you, and uh, and, and even on this Valentine's Day, may it be a reminder to you that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friend, and that you are loved by God unconditionally. He sees you just where you are, and no matter what you're going through today, no matter if you're hurting or broken inside, man, God loves you and he is present with you and that is the greatest love you will ever experience in this world hey I also want to take a moment to kind of look into the cameras and welcome all of those who are joining us at home and making us a part of your weekly rhythm but I also want to say welcome to all those that are gathered at Connection West this is the very first time that we have live streamed the service into Connection West and so we have a group that is watching down there this morning so all would you just help me welcome everybody that's online and down at Connection West God is so good God is so good And he is so amazing. Hey, we are in week two of a series that we started entitled Encounter. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at individuals throughout the scriptures of of people who encounter the the real tangible presence of God. And kind of a premise of the series is this, is that God is not just to be understood, but encountered that we serve a God that doesn't just want us to have a head knowledge about him, and it's good to know things about God, it's good to understand some things about God, to have some theological context for what's going on. But more than just knowing and having a head knowledge about God, God wants us to encounter his presence, that his presence is alive and active, and he wants to be in relationship with us. God does not just wanna be understood, he wants to be encountered. And so if you were here last week, we looked at the story of, um, of this individual by the name of Jacob And in Jacob's story, we see this real personal encounter with God where Jacob wrestles with God. And we said throughout it that this wrestling with God was that Jacob was wrestling with his past, that he was wrestling with his secrets, and ultimately he was wrestling with this struggle, that he had this struggle that was going on and that there was this wrestling. And sometimes we're struggling with God in our own lives. And we said, if you want to have an encounter with God, That if you want to encounter the presence of God, that it all starts with humility. We said you got to come to God and say, God, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. God, I just need you. And that we said humility is the way that we encounter the presence of God, that that brokenness precedes breakthrough. And then we said if you really want to encounter God, you just got to give your whole life. Go all in with God. And when you do those things, when you come to him with humility and you go all in with God, you set yourself up to have an encounter with the presence of God. And so today I want to direct your attention to the story of Moses. And Moses was this individual that had this incredible encounter with God. But before we get to the story where Moses encounters the presence of God, I wanna start with the pastor scripture found in 2 Corinthians, um, the 2 Corinthians in the Bible. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there because we're gonna camp out here for a little bit at the front side of this message this morning. And a lot of times people, just for you to know, a lot of times people ask me, Aaron, what version of the Bible do you read out of? And honestly, most of the time I read out the NIV version. um, But what I do when I go to study the word of God Especially when I'm prepping for a message, I open like all kinds of versions of the Bible, and I just begin to read through them because sometimes when I open a different version of the Bible, it kind of paints a different word picture. There's a word that jumps out, or something that kind of makes it come to life. And so you'll see down here just for your not. This is the versions that we're reading out of, and so you'll see differences on there. But today I want to read out of the Message version. And The Message version is a paraphrase of the Bible, so it's not a word for word literal trans, uh, translation. It is a paraphrase of the Bible. And so um, that's what's kind of going on here, and I want to read this pastor's scripture to you. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know if you guys, if you can hear it back there, Larry, but I am getting some feedback somewhere. It sounds in the building, so we can work on that. appreciate it. And so here's the, the pastor's scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 16- through eighteen, It says this, that whenever though they turn to face God as Moses, so this is this individual we're talking about today, Moses, and, and the they in this passage of scripture is all of us. Whenever we turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. And that's really what I hope that we experience in our life, that you and I come to a place where we have a face-to-face experience with the living God, that, that God is one who's to be encountered, to have a real relationship with him that we would come face to face this is what we saw in the story of jacob last week he wrestled with god and at the very end he says i came face to face with god and he called the place Peniel." and when you read this passage of scripture it says that when we get face to face and we move towards god he removes the veil And for some of us, we're like, well, what's the big difference about about removing the veil? Well, it's a very big deal. And for those that were listening to this passage of Scripture when it was written, this was huge because what the Bible tells us is that when Jesus came to to give his life on the cross for us, that he removed the veil. And what the veil was is there was this curtain in the Holy of Holies, and only the religious elite, the high priest, was the only one that was allowed to go into the presence of God. They were kind of the only ones that were able to stand face-to-face with God. God and have an encounter with the living personal Jesus. And so what we see here is it says, when you see God face-to-face, the veil has been removed. It's gone. It's over with. And all of a sudden, we now have access to encounter God. This is what he wants for you. This is what he wants for our lives, that we would have a face-to-face encounter with the living God. And when that happens, here's what begins to take place. Then they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled Stone. That God becomes alive. He becomes active. He becomes so present in our lives. This is what happens when there's an encounter with God. That He's not just some old story that you've heard. He's not just some individual on a flannel graph that you heard when you were in kids' church. That the God that we serve is alive, He's active, and He wants to be experienced. And here's what takes place. When that happens, and when God is personally present, when we have an encounter with God, a living spirit that old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. It's recognized as obsolete. This old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. What does that mean? It means that when we have an encounter with God, all the things that you were never able to break through on your own, all the habits that you had, all the hangups that you've gone through, maybe the addictions that you struggle with, maybe the bad attitudes that you've dealt with, everything that is constricting all of a sudden becomes obsolete. And this is truthfully what my prayer is for us every time we gather in this place on a Sunday morning. My prayer is that you would enter into this place and you wouldn't just hear a good worship team lead some songs even though they are absolutely amazing but that you would come and that you would hear and encounter the presence of the living God and that it would so transform your life that the old habits the the old thoughts the old ways of living begin to be broken off and that when you enter this place that you experience God, and that you find freedom, freedom from everything that you've ever gone through, The things become obsolete in that moment, and that we become changed, and it says, here's what happens, we're free of it, there's freedom when we get into the presence of God, when we encounter God, all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces, shining with the brightness of his face, and so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, and so what does this word transfigure mean? It simply means we're changed. One of the things that is always going to happen when you encounter God is you're going to leave changed. You wanna know if you've encountered God? Your life begins to change. That's why when you have a salvation experience and you come to Jesus maybe for that very first time, it starts you on a journey of life change. It begins to do a work on the inside of you and we become a little bit more like Jesus. It's not all at one time. Look what it says here. It says we get changed into the Messiah and our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That is the goal, is that our lives become brighter, they become more beautiful and we become like God, that we have an encounter with God that begins to do something on the inside of us that begins to change the very essence of who we are. This is what it means to have an encounter with the living God. And here's the thing, when we have an encounter with God, one of the very first things that he wants to change, one of the very first things that he wants to come and do in that moment is he wants, you to, he wants to start working on your beliefs about yourself. He wants to begin to kind of change the way that you think about yourself. And so specifically, when, God ha- when you have an encounter with God, he wants to work on your identity. He wants to work on who you are as a child of God. And what I've come to know and what I've come to see is that most of us have an incorrect view of ourselves. We have a a bad perception of how things really are, and we've allowed all the things that are going on around us to define us, to to make up who we are. In the physical sense, most of us spend our entire lives waking up in the morning, and the very first thing we do is what we do. We go look into a mirror. Some of you should look into the mirror a little more often, okay? I'm 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 just kidding. But we spend our entire lives waking up looking into a mirror. And the truth is this though, is not only have we done that in the physical sense, that we also do that in kind of the spiritual sense. That we spend our lives looking into a mirror, trying to figure out who we really are. We look into the mirror of relationships. We look into the mirror of our past issues. We look into the mirror that maybe the parents, your parents put up for you. We look into this mirror and we're trying to kind of figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out our identity. And we've looked into these various mirrors and yet we really still haven't figured out who we are or, been, or have the correct view of ourselves. So you see, the question I want to ask today is this, is have you defined yourself by the way God sees you? Have you? Have you defined yourself, not by the way anybody else does, but have you defined yourself by the way that God sees you? That the view of our life should be the way that God sees our life. You see, I spent the very first 13 years of ministry working with students and young people. And when I worked with students, you know what I talked to them about all the time? Was their identity. Because I could see that in that generation there was an identity crisis and I was like, man, I got to build into them the identity of who Christ is and what he can accomplish and, and what he can become for them. And honestly, I thought that was just an issue that, that students dealt with. And so I spent a lot of time talking to students. And then I started working with adults. And you know what I found out? Adults struggle with identity, we struggle with fully understanding, embracing who God has created us to be. Seeing ourselves and defining ourselves, not by the way of anybody else, but seeing ourselves the way that God has shaped us and formed us. You see, when there's encounters that take place in scripture, and every encounter that takes place before God gives people a calling or a mission or something to do, you know what he begins to do? The very first thing he does is he works on their beliefs about themselves. He works on their beliefs. He says, I got a mission for you. I got a purpose for your life. But before you're ever going to be able to accomplish these things, you need to know who you are in Christ. And every single individual never thought they were good enough, never thought they could accomplish it, never really had the correct identity about themselves. And I think in the body of Christ, there are a lot of us that are sitting in this room today and maybe watching online that have sat there and you are having an identity crisis. You really don't understand who you fully are as a child of God and what is available to you. You've allowed every else around you to define you. So let me give you some Disney trivia this morning. Do we have any Disney fans in here? Like you love Disney movies. Like you're like all up on it. Okay. We got some hands. Like some of you are like, oh, should I admit to this? Am I not? You know, like it just seemed like you were a little backwards about that. Does anybody know? What was the very first Disney movie that was created? Did anybody know what the very first Disney movie was? Snow White, we've got it in the middle. You are the number one Disney fan now in the room, okay? Ding, 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 we have a winner. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the very first Disney movie that was ever created. And In this movie, there's an evil queen. And what she does every single day is she goes to a mirror, and you can say it along with me, what is the question that she asks? Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And this evil queen goes to a mirror, this magic mirror, every single day. And she looks into this mirror. And what is she looking for? She's looking for validation. She's looking for the mirror to tell her that she is the fairest of them all. You see, it amazes me though that we still go through life and we look into a mirror. And it amazes me how many people are going through life looking into the mirror of life, looking for validation, looking for purpose looking for something to say that they are okay or this is who they are. And so we look into the mirrors of different things over and over and over again. Some people look into the mirror of their job and they're looking at that job and they're like, mirror, mirror, Is this what's going to be the thing that defines me? You look into the lives of your kids and you're like, mirror, mirror. You look into the lives of your possession and you're like, mirror, mirror. You look into the lives of your relationships and you're going, mirror, mirror. You look into the lives of popularity and you're going, mirror, mirror. And you're looking for all of these things to define you, to bring definition to your life, and to be the thing that begins to become your identity. And the problem is this, is that we're looking in the wrong places for the identity. Because it's never going to be found in the mirrors of this world. It's only going to be found in the reflection of who God is inside of our lives that's the mirror that we have to look into that's the identity that we have to take on and so I want to give you real quickly three different mirrors that affect our identity and then I want to jump into the story of Moses this morning for just a few moments three mirrors that affect our identity the three mirrors that I think a lot of people are looking into over and over and over again the first is this the mirror of failure or rejection that so many people wake up and we're looking into this mirror of failure or, re- or rejection. And when we look into that mirror, we incorrectly say these words. We incorrectly say, I am what I did. I am what I did. And so people look into this mirror of failure and rejection and they begin to define themselves or taking their identity on by what they did. And so you look into it and you think to yourself, I, 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 I drank a lot and, and I, it got out of control and I became an alcoholic. And, and because I was an alcoholic then, I am what I did and so I must be an alcoholic now or maybe some of you look on to some of your earlier years and and with your purity and your and your relationships with others and and stuff like that you 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 fooled around a lot you went down some paths you shouldn't have gone down and then you began to let that define you I am what I did early on and so that must be who I am today for others of you maybe you're like you know I cheated in some business practices I I cheated on my taxes I cheated on my husband or my wife and therefore that's what i I did, and that must be the very thing that is going to define me, and we begin to define ourselves by the decisions that we have made, and I just want to say to you today this, that God never sees you by what you did. He always sees you as you can become. God never sees you as what you did. He always sees the potential that's inside of you of what you can become when you take on the correct identity in Christ, that you don't have to be defined by the mistakes of your past. One of the hardest things that I do in life is being a father to my two boys. How many know parenting is difficult, right? I mean, anybody been there? Some of you guys have been there, done that, and you still look back and go, man, that was difficult. And raising kids is a challenge. I mean, they've got their own unique personalities and attitudes, and I feel so responsible for them. And one of the great responsibilities that I have is to help to shape their identity. And I, and I look at my two boys, one's seven, one's five, and I'm like, man, I feel like I've got such a responsibility to make sure that they don't take on the identity of this world, but they really understand who they are in Christ. And therefore, when the hardest times is when there's actually punishment that needs to be given out, right? When there's correction that needs to come. And so there's times when, when my boys do something that's not right and I have to bring them and I have to sit them down. And when I sit them down, I try to say things to them like this. When they've, when they've done something wrong, so if they've, if they've told a lie and, and they lied to, to me and Abby, I'll, I'll sit them down and I'll say things like this. This is what you did, you lied. And because you lied, there's gonna be some consequences but that's not who you are, buddy, because you will not be defined by this one moment, and you will not be defined by the fact that you told a lie. Jackson's my aggressive one. Like, he's five, and he beats up on his brother, okay, and he's sneaky about it. Anybody sneaky when you were a kid about that kind of, who's the sneaky ones? Yeah, you know, and that's Jackson, and so when Jackson hits his brother and goes off on him, you know, I'll have to pull him in, and I'll say, hey, bud, This is what you did. You you hit your brother. You got angry with him. And because you got angry, there's consequences. But I want you to understand this is not who you are. You will not be labeled by being an angry person because that's not who God has created you to be. You see, I have this responsibility to speak life into them and help to shape their identity. And the truth is, is that there are some of you that have gathered in this room today or that are watching online. What's happened is you've been plagued by your bad decisions of your past and you began to take on that nature and you began to take on that identity. And I just wanna say to you today, That may be what you did, and you may have to pay some consequences for it, but that's not who you are. That God has created you and shaped you and formed you. That God can take you right where you are, and he can do something great in your life. If you believe that, would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise in this place today? And so there's the mirror of failure and rejection. The second mirror that we look into is the mirror of social pressure. The mirror of social pressure, meaning you let others define you. And when you look into the mirror of social pressure, what ends up happening is this, is you begin to say incorrectly, I am who they say I am. I am who they say I am. And for some of you, there's been words that have been spoken over your life and you've began to take on that identity. It may go back generations. For some of you, it was a word that was spoken over you when you were in junior high by your parents, and and they told you that, that you would never amount to anything and that you would never succeed in life. And you've allowed those words to stick to you, and you began to live out the identity of who they said that you were. Maybe for some of you, you were in high school, and there was a teacher that looked at you and said, You're not smart. You're never going to amount to anything. You're stupid. You're dumb. And you allowed those words from those teachers to attach to you, and it became your identity. And you began to say, well, that that just must be who I am going to be because that's what they've said about me. Maybe for some of you, it was a friend that you had, and you kind of got labeled inside of the group as just the goofy one, the one that's always just joking around and, and never taken seriously. And you just kind of lived out that identity because that's who they said that you were. For some of you, maybe you were in a relationship. Maybe you were married. to your husband or your wife and it became an emotionally abusive relationship and and they began to speak things over you and it began to become your identity and you may even be broken away from that relationship now, but all of a sudden you began to think over and over again, I must be who they say that I am and you've began to take on that identity. You see, too often we're looking into the mirror of social pressure and some of you have allowed one statement to take over your life and, and you're stuck living your life Life believing that you are who they say you are, but can I tell you something? You are who God says that you are. He's the one who's designed you and created you. And too often, we're looking into the mirror of social pressure. There's a third mirror that we look into, and it's the mirror, the mirror of inferiority. It's the mirror of inferiority. And when we look into this, uh, this, uh, this mirror, we're simply saying this: I am not enough. I am not enough. I'm not enough. And can I be honest with you? This is a mirror I think a lot of us struggle with. This is a mirror that so often we're glancing into and we're peering into. If I could just be really honest and transparent with you, this is a mirror that there's times in my life that I struggle with. And the role is is being a pastor. There's times I wonder if I could have done more. I wonder if it's good enough. There's, there's times I'm just like, man, God, I, I don't know if I can live up to this. I don't know if I'm even qualified in the moment of this. And there's just moments that, unfortunately, I can start finding myself peering into this mirror where I'm just like, man, I'm just not good enough. I can, I can watch somebody else do ministry and think, man, there's so much greater. There's so much better. God, I'm inferior. I'm not going to be enough. And yet this is a mirror that I so often hear other people talk about. I hear moms talk about this and, and am I going to be a good enough mom? And, and you begin to compare yourself and am I doing enough as a mom to, to raise my kids and to invest into them? Am I doing all the special projects? And all of a sudden you begin to look into the mirror of inferiority and it becomes the label. I, dads, you know, am I a am I, am I good enough dad? Am I a good enough father? Am I a good enough husband? Or, or you begin to look at it and you're like, I'm just not enough. I don't even know if I'm qualified to do the job that I have and, and, and there's no way that I'm ever gonna get promoted inside this. Because I'm just not enough. And we begin to peer into this mirror. On top of that, we have this whole thing called social media, and we begin to peer into that, and, and it creates this sense of inferiority. We see everybody else's highlight reel, and we look at our lives and we're like, man, what am I then? If they can do all these things, look at them. That there's a super mom. That must be a super family. Man, they're rocking it. Look at the success that they're having. But can I tell you something? That's not their real life either. That's just a picture. And so often we are looking into the mirror of inferiority and saying, I am not enough. And we're allowing these mirrors to define us. We're allowing these mirrors to become our identity, the the mirror of failure and rejection, the mirror of social pressure, the mirror of inferiority. And so the question is this, is how do you find the correct version of who you are? How do we really understand our identity, who we are in Christ? You see, to to find out what something is, ask the one who created it. If you want to find out what something is, you have to ask the one who created it. Do we have anybody that enjoys art in here? Anybody that enjoys artistic work and stuff like that? We have a couple people like that, not many a few. A few hands went up. I hated art in school. Like, I mean, I almost flunked out of arts. You know, when they criticized my art projects, I just told them it was an abstract painting. <laughs> Look at it deep enough and you'll figure out the meaning, you know? You can pass it. So if you're struggling in art, take the tip, okay? You'll be okay. But, you know, I'm not very artistic when it comes to a lot of those things. And, and there's times that I can look at a painting and I'm like, what in the world is that painting? I'm like, it just looks like they've just slapped a bunch of paint on the pic- a picture and they call it a painting. And then they go sell it for all kinds of money. I'm like, what is up with this? I should have became an artist. But the truth is this. If you stand in front of a piece of artwork and you stand with the one who created the artwork... They begin to tell you things about that artistic piece that you could never see on your own. They begin to go, well, this is the reason that I painted this, and, and this is why I use these colors, and, and this, is the, this is the angle I went for, and here's the meaning of this picture. And, and when you stand with the one who created the art project, all of a sudden they bring in, begin to bring clarity and definition to the drawing that you're looking at. Can I tell you something? You were created and shaped and formed by the handiwork of God. And until you pull up your seat, until you get next to God and say, okay, God, help me figure this thing out. I don't understand everything that's going on, but when you get with the creator, he begins to bring definition. He begins to bring purpose. He begins to give you an assignment for your life. He begins to say, hey, this is why I gave you this personality, and this is why I put you into that situation, and this is why I allowed this to happen in your life. I know it was hard, and I know it was difficult, and I know it was overwhelming in the moment, but I had a purpose inside of that. I have created you. You are my handiwork. I am the master creator, and you are my masterpiece, and you begin to know your purpose and you begin to know your identity, when you begin to ask the one who created you, would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? (laughs) You see, there is no way that you can live out your God-given potential, your God-given design, unless you ask the one who created you. There's no way. And there's only one person who has an accurate story on your life, and that's Jesus Christ. And so he gave us his word. He gave us the holy scriptures that says, let me show you how you were created. Let me show you what your identity is. Let me show you my thoughts towards you. Let me show you purpose for your life. And that's why it's so important that we engage the word of God. It's so important that we consume it. It's the reason why we come to church so that we can hear the word of God and the word of God can get in us and it can begin to change our thoughts and our actions and our life. That's why we need to read our Bible so that the word begins to go deep inside of us so that we begin to believe a new report about ourselves. And when you do, you, it'll begin to change you. You won't be the same person. We begin to see the, the passage scripture in 2 Corinthians come to life that gradually, day after day, we become brighter and we gradually move our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. But you can't hap- that can't happen unless you make room for it. Here's what it says in James 1, verse 23. It says, anyone who listens to the word the word of God, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And the truth is, is I think this is where a lot of us are at. Many of us look quickly in the mirror, and then we kind of go on, and we're like, okay, I'm I'm okay. And we don't allow it to actually change us. We kind of forget what we see. We're like, okay, everything looks good, and then we're off. But he says there's another way that we can engage the word of God. And he says, but whoever looks intently, whoever looks intently. So this is what I want for you. I want you to engage the word of God in such an intent way that it begins to change something on the inside of you. You see, this is a vanity mirror. Anybody know what one of these things is? And what I discovered at some point is that when you flip the mirror around, it magnifies things three times greater And this sometimes becomes your worst enemy right here, right? I mean, like if I look at myself on this side of the mirror, everything looks okay for a moment. I flip this around and I see hair growing out of places that the hair shouldn't be growing out of. I begin to look and I'm like, man, I got gray hair. What's up with that? Like I shouldn't have gray in my beard because all of a sudden what looked good on this side begins to show some flaws on this side. And this is where God is trying to get us when it comes to engage in the scripture. Too many of us are like, oh, I'm good. Okay, I must be good. It looks okay on this side. Instead of flipping the mirror around and go, okay, God, let me look intently. Let me look intently into your perfect law. And can I tell you something? All of us have room for growth. I don't care if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ one day or you've grown up in this church your entire life. You have room. There's things that God wants to show you in scripture. He wants to transform you. He wants you to have an encounter with the living personal presence of God. And he begins to show some things. And he's like, oh, you look good on this side. From far away, you look good, but you're far from good. And God would say, I want you to look intently into the word of God. And he says, when you do into the perfect law, you look intently, that gives freedom. And it continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. And here's what happens when you do it. You and I will become blessed. We'll become blessed. Like you want to be blessed? You begin to look into the word of God intently, intently. And so there's this individual, Moses, who had this face-to-face encounter with God. But the truth about Moses' life is this, is Moses had an identity crisis. He had an identity crisis. The story of Moses goes a little bit like this, if you don't know about it, is that Pharaoh decided in Egypt that the Hebrew children were becoming too powerful. And so he creates this edict that all of the newborn baby Hebrew boys need to be thrown into the Nile River. And so from the time that Moses was birthed, his life was in jeopardy. His identity was in crisis. He was struggling. And so Moses' mother decides she's gonna make a basket. She sends it down the Nile River. And luckily, or by God's providence, it lands in the hands of Pharaoh's sister. His sister decides that she's gonna raise Moses as her own. And Moses grows up as a prince of Egypt and he's in the house of Pharaoh. Moses would have had everything that he had ever wanted. But even in the moments of having everything that he ever wanted, he was still not content because he did not know who he was in God. He did not know what his identity was. And can I just say to somebody in this room, you may have everything that the world tells you that you need you may have money you may have prestige you may be climbing corporate ladders you may have everything that seems picture perfect but in the inside of you you are still miserable and the reason why you're still miserable is because you have not figured out the purpose and design that God has for you and until you figure that out until you take on the identity of Christ you will stay in that place of being uncomfortable and unsettled in your life So here Moses is, he's struggling with his identity, and then he comes to find out that he's not really Egyptian, that he was born Hebrew. He begins to understand that maybe he was made for more, and one day he's out among the people, and he murders an Egyptian, and uh, he's caught, he's found out, he tries to bury the body, and Moses has to flee, and he spends the next 80 years of his life on the backside of the desert. And one day while he's out tending to the sheep, he looks up on the mountainside, he sees this burning bush and and he sees it off in the distance. And as he gets closer to the bush, he begins to realize that the bush is burning, but it is not being consumed. And then out of this bush, the bush starts talking to him. Can you imagine that moment if you're Moses? You're like, man, I'm tripping out right now. (laughs) Like, what is going on? And all of a sudden this bush starts talking to Moses. And he says, Moses, I'm God. And the ground that you're standing on is holy ground and I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for your life. But Moses, before I'm going to give you your mission, before I'm going to give you your purpose, before I'm going to give you your assignment, there's some work we need to do on the inside of you because you don't know who you are in me. You don't have the correct identity of yourself. And that's what God wants to do for you. God wants you to have an encounter with him that changes your whole perspective of who you are so that you take on the right identity so that you can fulfill. God has a mission for you. God has a purpose for you. I, I believe every single one of you have a calling of God upon your life. But In order to fulfill that calling, you're going to have to figure out who you are in Christ. And so when Moses encounters God, he responds back with all of his insecurities. He responds back with all of the reasons that he would not be able to fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has for him. And I wanna show you these four insecurities that he, that he responds with. And then I wanna give you some identity builders. I wanna I want show you Moses' four response and I wanna give you some statements, some things that will begin to shape and transform your identity. And I'm running out of time, but we'll go quickly. So if you'll listen quickly, I'll talk even faster. Um, so the first is this. Moses comes and he says, who am I? Moses didn't know who he was. He like, looks at God. He's like, am I Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? Am I a shepherd? I don't know who I am am. And there's some of us here today, we just don't really know who we are. Let me show it to you in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, 12. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who who, who am I? Why should I be the one to go to Pharaoh? And Moses was struggling with his past. He was struggling with the insecurity of, of what other people had labeled him. He's looking at God and saying, God, don't you know, I'm the guy that murdered someone. I'm the guy that buried that individual in Egypt and, and I murdered him. And, and God, are you sure you want me to go back to Pharaoh? And he says, but who am I that I should go? And he goes on and says this, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And look at God's response. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. It's I who have sent you. And this is such good news because when Moses asks, who is he? God responds with who he is. He says, I'm going to, go with you. I'm going to be the one that's going to send you. And they're going to notice me far more than they're ever going to notice you. And that should be one of the most freeing thoughts that we ever have in our life. That our identity is not in ourselves. That when we have Christ in us, they should see Christ in us before they see anything else. And it's not about my strength or my power. It's about the God that's in me. And when God has sent you, when God has called you, God says, I will go with you. You are never alone. That's why Paul in the New Testament writes most of the New Testament. But the life of Paul was a lot like Moses. I mean, you can begin to read scripture and you begin to see kind of a pattern. God uses some of the most messed up, unqualified people to do his work. Honestly, can I tell you something? Most of you, if you were alive during the Bible days and Jesus' time, you would not have actually wanted to sit under the teaching of Paul because you would have looked at him and judged him because we're so judgmental in the body of Christ. You'd be like, oh, he, well, we can't listen to him. He was a murderer. And we write people off left and right. Can I just say this one just to the body of Christ one time? Let me just remind you, do not ever write someone off because of their past. God has a story. God has a plan. No one is ever unqualified. God has a purpose for our life. Give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. And so Paul helps us to shape our identity. When he wrote these words, he said it this way. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Moses asked, who am I? But you know what? God wants you to understand what's going to shape your identity. I am who I am by the grace of God. There is nothing that you can do that's going to make you great. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do that's going to really be able to change identity. It's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I can be the father that I need to be to my boys. It's only by the grace of God that I can be the husband that I need to be to my wife. It's only by the grace of God that I even have the ability to stand on the platform and to be your pastor. I'm Miserable, I'm broken, but it's by the grace of God that we can do whatever we do inside of life. It will not be by your own strength, so it's not your past that's gonna define you. It's the grace of God that we have to lean into. That is our identity. I am not good enough in my myself. It's only through the grace of God that I have the strength and the ability, and that begins to change my identity. Give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise if you've experienced that grace. The second question that Moses asked is this: Who are you? asking about God, who are you? You see, let me just say this, and let me say this in the most loving and most caring way that I possibly can. People that struggle, or if you're struggling with your insecurities, then at the core of it, you're also insecure about who God is. If you're struggling with insecurities, at the core of it, we're struggling with who God is. And so if you want to overcome your insecurities, you need to settle who your God is. You need to settle the view or the picture that you have. Look at the response to this question that Moses asked. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He goes on and he says this, what shall I tell them? And he goes on, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so Moses says, who are you God? And all of a sudden he pops up and he says, you know what? He wants to know his name. And God says, you know what? Just tell him I am has sent you because my I'm so big that I'm bigger than any name that you're ever going to be able to give them. God would look at Moses and say, you can't put me in a box. You can't try to define me because I am big and I am powerful. I'm bigger than any situation that you're going to go through. Can I tell you something? The last lack of confidence that we have sometimes, the insecurities that we face comes from the fact that your God is not big enough. When you begin to get a big picture of a big God, guess what? It begins to settle those insecurities for you. But if you settle for less than God, if you settle for a small picture of God, it will create insecurities inside of you and it will begin to shape your identity. But God says, I am so much bigger than anything that you've ever gone through. And because of that, you can have personal confidence in me because I am a big God. You see, you need to know that you have a mighty God, that he is mighty. You need to know that you have a powerful God. You need to know that he is a God that performs miracles in the past and he still performs them today. We sing this song around here that's called Waymaker and the lyrics of that song is he's a waymaker, he's a miracle worker, he's a promise keeper, he's a light in the darkness. And then everybody says, and that is who you are. That is who you are. Because all of a sudden, when you begin to declare those things and you get that view of God, you begin to understand nothing is too difficult for my God. Nothing is too big for my God. He is bigger than my circumstances. He's bigger than my situations. He's bigger than my insecurities because my God is big and my God is powerful. Give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. So Jeremiah put it this way. He says, oh Lord God, behold you You, God, you and you alone have made the heavens and the earth. And by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. You want an identity builder? Not only is I I am who I am by the grace of God, but we also need to understand that there is nothing that is too difficult for my God. That begins to shape my identity. That begins to shape my thoughts. And that begins to change your life. There is nothing too difficult for your God. No matter what you're going through today and no matter what you're gonna face tomorrow, there is nothing too difficult for him. And so that becomes the identity that I base my life on. And So I am what I am by the grace of God. There's nothing too difficult for my God. The third thing that Moses said is, what if they? What if they? Look at it in Exodus chapter four, verse one. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Can you hear it? You know what Moses is doing? Moses is whining. He's whining in this moment. And you know what we do all the time? We whine. Moses like, like, but God, what if they don't listen to me? What if, what if they don't like me? Because, because I said that you came. What if, what if they don't think it's, it's any true? And we get ourselves in the same place. We're like, we're, we're whining. What if they, God? What, 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 what if they don't like the things that I do, the choices that I make? And we still do this. Here's what it says in Proverbs 29, verse 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man... The approval of man, guess what that's gonna be? It's a snare. And so many of us are living in the mirror of social pressure and we're allowing the fear of man to become the snare in our life. We're allowing the fear of man to be our identity. We saw this in the life in the times of Jesus in the New Testament. Here's how it reads in John, the book of John. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders, so this is about Jesus' time, many of the religious leaders believed in him, believed in God, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. For fear, they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Can I just say this? If you seek human praise, you will stay insecure. You'll have feelings of insecurity. You'll feel, have feelings of inadequacy and your feelings of inferiority will continue until you decide that you are not gonna seek out the praise of men above the praise of God, you will still be insecure in your life. Amen. Honestly, if I'm just being transparent with you, I probably struggled with this for the, probably at least the good first five years, six years of ministry. I started in at 18 years of age and, and early on, you know, I wanted people to like me. I wanted parents to be happy with what we were doing. I wanted kids and I allowed the opinions of people people in the body of Christ to influence the decisions and choices that I would make at times. I was more concerned sometimes about what other people thought than just to know the voice of my father and allow that to be the identity that defined me. And I had to get to a place where I was like, you know what, God, I want people to like me, but guess what? I can't base my life on those people liking me. God, there's a calling on my life. I have to do what you've called me to do. And so God, I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna be bold for you. And God, if that means that some people don't like it, then I guess that's gonna have to be the case because I'm not after the praise of men above praising and having the approval of my heavenly father. You see, until you, you see what we have to understand is this. Until you stop allowing the pressure of someone who didn't save you to define you, hear that? Until you stop allowing the pressure of someone who didn't save you to define you, and too many of us are allowing people who did not save us to define us, until you stop allowing that to happen in your life, guess what? You will struggle with your identity. You will struggle over and over again. Stop allowing the pressure of people who did not save you to define you. So Paul says it this way in Romans 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is an identity builder because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of who God is. And can I just say this to some of you? Some of you need to take that step of boldness today. You need to declare, I'm not ashamed of God. You know what? Maybe you've put him on the back burner. Maybe your your relationship with God, the extent of it is a Sunday morning experience and then you go to work on Monday and you're like, I just kind of want to fit in. I don't really want them to know there's anything different about me or, or you're still running with maybe the same group of people and you're like I really don't want to tell them that I don't want to do these things because I don't really feel like that's God honoring but but I'm just I so I'm just going to kind of act like I'm okay with it you know what you need to not be ashamed of the gospel if those people don't want to be your friends anymore if they don't want to be around you anymore if they get offended by that then so be it because guess what if if you're worried about what they're thinking guess what that's what's shaping your identity And that's not the identity that we want to have. And so we got to declare, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an identity builder. The last one is this, the fourth thing, and the band's getting ready to come here in a minute, is I have never. Moses says, I have never. Can I just tell you that most of the time we disqualify ourselves far too early from what we're capable of doing. We've disqualified ourselves. So Moses looks at God and he says this in Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant Lord I've never been eloquent in speech or in language God I can't do this I'm incapable, I'm not enough I'm inferior God isn't there someone better that could do this and you know what I see this in the body of Christ too often we'll invite people to get involved or to be a part people will be like I, I, I can't do that I've never done it I, I'm, I'm inferior, I'm not enough I, that's, I'm not good enough and can I just tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell? That there's things that God has gifted you and ta- given you talents and abilities in, and you're allowing your identity to keep you from serving and to stepping out in areas that God is calling you to. Let me put it this way: don't assess what you can do based on your abilities. Assess what you can do based on God's abilities. Don't, don't assess it on what you, on your abilities. Because guess what? None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. It's only by the grace of God. It's not about what ability, it's about the God that I serve and and God gifting us and placing things inside of us. And and too often we're writing off our lives and and we're allowing inferiority to set in and that becomes our identity. So Moses like, I've never, I can't do this. I can't do this. But in Philippians 4 verse 13, Paul writes this identity changing thought. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about my abilities. It's about the Christ that's in me that gives us the strength to do. Can I tell you something? I can't do what I'm doing on my own. I'm so incapable. I'm so in over my head most days, but it's not just about the abilities that I possess in my life. It's about the Christ in me. It's about his strength coming through when I am weak. And so we need to declare, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who strengthens me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? wrap it up here. We need to change our identity. So what are these identity changers? I am who I am by the grace of God. You'll never be good enough on your own. It's only by the grace of God. It's His amazing love for us. There's nothing too difficult for my God that my God is so big that there is nothing too difficult for him I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm not ashamed of my relationship with God I'm not worried about the praise of man I'm not worried about the identity the world's putting on me I'm worried about honoring my father in heaven and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I'm capable I'm able to step up to the plate because it's not about the strength that I have it's about the strength of God that's within me and can I just tell some of you today you need an identity change some of you just need to begin to allow these things to, to take over your life, to allow these thoughts to replace the negative thoughts that you have about yourself. And I wanna challenge some of you as our team gets ready to come out and lead us in some, one more song. Some of you just need to confront every insecurity that you have, every thought of inferiority that the enemy has placed on you. And you need today to find the identity in the one who created you, that he is the master designer of your life. And so you need to ask him, God, what is that design? What is that purpose? I want my identity to be rooted in you. Some of you need to take a bold step today. You need to make a decision in your heart, to step into whatever God is calling you to. He's got a mission, an assignment. He wants to have an encounter with you. He wants his presence to, for you to experience his presence and then he wants to work on your identity. He wants to change it. And are you willing to take a bold step into that? For some of you, maybe you're here in this room or you're watching online. For some of you, you need to take a bold step into salvation. Your identity needs to be marked by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And and that's a bold step that we can take. But God wants to do some identity shaping. God wants to replace some thoughts today that you've had for maybe a very long time. And he wants to transform you from the inside out that we become more and more like him. Because we've had an encounter with the presence of God. Every time we have an encounter with God, it leaves us changed, church. It leaves us changed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to pray over you today. Father. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.